Hi there. I'm the Reverend Father Matt Kovisk, and I'm the Rector of St. Mary's Anglican Church in Vernon. We've just come through the first week of some businesses reopening after a prolonged closure. And I went shoe shopping earlier this week, and it frankly felt good to be back in a brick-and-mortar store looking at shoes and trying them on. Shoes, I find, aren't one of those things that I can easily order online. I have to be able to put them on, take them for a spin in the store before I take them home with me. While some businesses are opening up again, maybe it's just me, but it, it seems to me that things feel like they're still pretty up in the air. The phase one openings are important, I did need new shoes after all, but we're a long way, I think, from re returning to a sense of a new normal. Many of us are still feeling this uncertainty. We have lots of unanswered questions and frankly unanswerable questions right now. Questions like, how much longer will this last? We've been doing this for six weeks now at least, although it seems that all time has blended into each other. Questions like, when will I get to see those I love again? Those window visits or those video or phone calls, while nice, don't hold a candle to actually being able to see or touch somebody in the flesh. Many of us feel still like we're in a state of suspension, Unable to get a foothold on something solid and dependable, something concrete and unshakable. Everything is still up in the air, and because of this, many of us feel like we're just floating. When we're floating, metaphorically of course, we tend to try to grab at anything and everything in order that we can firmly plant ourselves. We don't like this feeling very much, and we want to do anything in order to be able to plant ourselves. This can cause a bit of an issue because we'll reach for anything and everything in order to find some sense of comfort. This Sunday is the fifth Sunday of Easter, and one of the readings from the lectionary is from the second chapter of the first letter of Peter, and I think it can help us here. The first letter of Peter is written to Christians scattered throughout Roman provinces throughout Asia Minor. I want you to think of the region around modern Turkey. All of these Christians were living in an exile. Now, the whole letter of First Peter doesn't concern itself with doctrinal information or any sort of talk about ethics, but is meant to help the readers slash recipients to hold fast in their faith in the faith of exile. Many of us this day still feel that exile from the buildings we love and cherish, from the things we love and cherish. In terms of church, we're unable to come together physically on a Sunday, Although churches, like St. Mary's, are doing Zoom services. However, they're not quite the same as being able to sit in a pew on a Sunday morning. In the second chapter of 1 Peter, we hear two eloquent images. God is using living stones, us, those who believe in the living stone, Jesus Christ, to build a temple. In order to be living stones in that spiritual temple, we need to be alive in the spirit. We need to be solid in our faith, much like a stone in a building. When a building is made of, well, not solid material, it can easily crumble. And one only has to think of any sandcastles you've ever built on a beach to realize buildings that aren't made of good material will just crumble eventually. Right, Father Matt, that's fine in some good theological thinking, but so what? Well, that's where the second image comes in. First Peter 2, 1. The writer of this letter reminds the readers that, like newborn infants, they are to long for the pure spiritual milk. Like regular milk, 
which helps to keep our bodies strong, we need to drink that pure spiritual milk so that we may grow into our salvation. Great, Father Matt. But what is that pure spiritual milk that Peter refers to? A hint might come to us in the words of Psalm 42. As the deer longs for the water brook, so longs my soul for you, O God. This speaks of the desire each person should have for the word of God. Peter is telling us that we are to gulp down a nourishing drink that is spiritual and pure. He reminds us that the soul needs to be fed. The soul is an important part of us. It forms part of a triangle alongside the mind and the body. We know about feeding the mind, doing puzzles, reading books, having stimulating conversations with others, keeping our mental health going. We know about feeding the body, making sure we eat healthily, keeping active, making sure we see our physician when we feel terrible or out of sorts. When we neglect either of these two things, bad things can happen. As much as I enjoy eating bags of chips and chocolate bars, unfortunately, I do have to eat healthy foods every once in a while. Throughout the ages, theologians have written about junk food for the soul, wealth, pleasure, honor, and power. That junk food will not fully satisfy the soul, just as our body cannot live on chips and chocolate, as much as I and probably many others may wish it did. The soul is hungry for grace and the divine life. What it wants is God. How do we nourish the soul? Prayer, which is the raising of the heart and mind to God, Without prayer, the soul dries up. Peter pleads with us and reminds us that the soul needs to be fed. When all three parts of the triangle are working well, we feel more contented, more at peace, well, more stable. When we're stable in our lives, we tend to try to grab at less things in order to stabilize ourselves. But Father Matt, what if we're not feeling all that stable in our lives? What if we feel like we're the weak stone in the temple? I feel like that right now, especially in the middle of this pandemic. And I want to remind you that it's okay to consider yourself to be the weak stone, quote unquote, in the temple. Remember though, in this temple, we are living stones to be sure, but we are not the cornerstone the stone on which the whole thing relies. As Paul's letter to the Ephesians tells us, we are members of a household of God, built upon the foundation of the apostles and the prophets, with Christ Jesus himself as the cornerstone. Ephesians chapter 2, verse 20. Great, Father Matt, now what? Well, I want you to remember 1 Peter 2, 1a. Here it is. Like newborn infants long for the pure spiritual milk so that by it you may grow into salvation. We've been talking a lot today about the pure spiritual milk being a relationship with God through prayer, reading of scripture, praying a rosary or novena for the more Catholic-minded among us, or by attending a live stream mass or service of the word. When we do these things, when we drink that spiritual milk, we grow. We, t we know this because we tell our kids all the time to drink their milk, telling them that if they drink it, they will be, grow up to be, quote, big and strong. We drink the pure spiritual milk to grow into our salvation. The work of our salvation is done. That work has been done on the cross, but we grow into a deeper knowledge of it 
as our faith grows. Our faith is a continual journey. The more that we dive into it, the more we drink of that pure spiritual milk, the more our faith is strengthened for the times where we don't feel as stable as we'd like to be. The question I want to leave you with this week is this. We've talked a, a lot about the pure spiritual milk, and I've given you some ideas of what that is and could be. The question I want you to think about is what does that mean for you? What is the pure spiritual milk for you? What helps you to cultivate a relationship with God? What helps you to grow in your relationship with God? As you go about your week, I invite you to think about this question and to use the strength and the grace that you have received by drinking this milk to go forth and to proclaim the mighty acts of him who called you out of darkness into his own marvelous light. Thanks be to God.